welcome to another very special episode of Dead Men Talk. And as we we start winding series four down, um, I couldn't sort of finish um, without at least bringing the horror aspect back. Um, you know, Dead Men Talk started way back uh, with me talking about my horror work. And I love it when I can uh, bring on guests within that realm, especially my current guest here today. Um, he's not only a horror author, but I'm very, very jealous off the bat. He's also been involved in um, filmmaking and screenwriting. He's got some great credits to his name, including London Heist, 10 Dead Men. So Dead Men Talk, you're on the right show already. Um, and what I feel is going to be a cult classic one of these days, Paintball Massacre. Uh, I welcome to the show Chris Regan. How are you, mate? Oh, great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. No, no problem at all. No worries. It's uh, it was it was a pleasure when I when I got the opportunity when you got in touch. I, I knew I had to try and bring you on and bring you on to this series as well before I sort of finish up. Um, right. And we'll we'll delve in. We'll sort of see see kind of what happens over the next mm -hmm. over, you know over the next half hour. Or so we've got a lot to talk about. You've done a lot of stuff which I really want to climb inside your brain. Um, and sort cool. of see what's made you tick and how these things have come about because uh, horror films, horror books, anything horror really has been sort of massive influence for me creatively over the years. Mm. Um, and I mean, I guess the, the easiest, without launching into song, the best place to start is at the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. If we wind it right back then, so you're, you're writing, when did it yeah. start? You know, what was the start? Did you, was it, novels that you started with or was it the films or, or, or how did it begin for you yeah it was, it was like when I was a kid I mean I started really young it was it was short stories and uh I wrote a novel when I was it wasn't published when I was, right. um, when I was 15 <laughs> but uh um and then I kind of but in my sort of later teens I got really into really into films uh, I've always been into horror, like horror was always the thing, my, the novel was horror and I was always yeah. into that side of things, but uh, I got really seriously into films in my teens, but I was a bit of a, an awful film snob um, <laughs> when I was at college and um, yeah, I got into lots of, uh, my dad's a huge film fan, so we were, like he was always showing me stuff and um, uh, and so I kind of, I sort of realised at that point that the 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 novels and the stories were kind of I, I was doing them because I hoped that one day uh someone would um make make that into a film <laughs> so I was, I was, that, you know I thought, what, well, maybe you could skip that bit <laughs> no that is on my uh that is it's, it's the, the I when I've written my stories I've pitched always visualized them as a movie and it is my right. one if I've got anything on my bucket list is to see any one of my books on screen somewhere so no I, right. I, I definitely share in that yeah 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 and that was that was the thing and then I think it was the big turning point I think because of my age like uh Tarantino was a massive influence I mean I'm not okay. not that huge a fan of his sort of later stuff but uh they just released and also like film magazines and stuff where this is this is sort of like mid to late 90s so the film magazines were really popular and like um I think one of the film magazines gave away uh, the script for True Romance. Oh, wow. uh, it's like okay. a, in like paperback. So I and I so I had a copy of that, and um, it was it was I, I think it was the first time I sort of looked at something. I gone, oh, you can I sort of see. I didn't realize that films were written like this. Like this yeah. is this is how you do it, and yeah. it's sort of weird. It's a bad it's a bad starting place, really, because no script. Obviously, 
no script is written like a Tarantino script. That's that he's yeah. got his own very distinct style, and yeah. um, uh, and they're almost almost like novels. But uh, yeah, but that, that was it. Was it sort of started? So from there, I started writing writing scripts, and that um, uh, that carried on. Um, yeah, sort of throughout at university, and I studied screenwriting at university, and, and, and took it from there. Cool. So, yeah. Obvious question then, and I guess you probably get asked this a lot. What's the, the biggest if there is obviously a, a quite a big difference i've i've looked at the idea before of screenwriting script writing you know trying to turn an idea of one of my books into something like that and i've looked at a script and i'm like or screenplay now i've just been scared really it's just i don't know mm. how to get my head wide like that what is the, the biggest difference or the biggest challenge between writing a novel and writing a screenplay Oh, that's quite that's quite hard. I don't know. I, I found it really difficult because I've only recently, the last couple of years, it was really sort of in lockdown that I probably started writing novels again. And I found it really difficult doing transitioning back into kind of novels because I found the um and it's probably obvious from the first couple of books I've written as well, but the the sort of and I suppose this is one of the major differences is is, is screenwriting is so kind of minimal um it's uh and it goes back to why that why that Tarantino script was wasn't a great place to start because his uh particularly the way he opens a scene is like paragraphs of text about what's going on whereas I mean yeah, people do it differently and, and and I don't think there are any set rules but mostly you encourage you know brevity is encouraged and the it's the less you put on the page is yeah. is better really and it, and it's also well I guess the, the biggest thing is the visual aspect because and this is again quite hard I found quite hard sort of get, getting back into is because you can't really go inside you can't go inside a character's head in film no. really you can do yeah you can do voiceovers and there are techniques to do it but for the most part you're doing um uh you're trying to show their thought processes by their actions sure. and by sort of you know and you can do things like describing their rooms and where they live and things like that you can kind of get bits of it across but mostly it's mm. through visuals so that's um that's 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 tricky so that can be a bit tricky yeah. um but if if i'm being honest <laughs> possibly more uh the, the biggest difference and it doesn't really apply to writing if you just decided tomorrow to write a screenplay mm. but the biggest difference is the like writing a novel is very much a uh solitary sort of mm. pursuit which is one of the things i like about it is i think that you are kind of on i mean yes you get feedback and you get editors involved and stuff, mm. stuff like that but for the most part it's you on your own whereas screenwriting like it can be that and it is is like that for a lot of the process but once you get into um into the actual process of making something it becomes this collaboration um, and I think that's one of the things that, that makes filmmaking so interesting is it's not an individual's sort of thing. Yes, you have the director who has the vision usually, but there's some arguments over how sort of yeah. you know different visions competing on a film. But the thing is, that it has to be because you've got you know all these different people and they've got actors involved and all these different things. There has to be a sort of collaboration. So I think that's the um it's not really a process difference but it's just a it's it, it, that's why it's the two things seem so separate yeah. to me filmmaking to me is like a 
the group thing. I never thought of it like that, actually. But yeah, it makes makes perfect sense mm. um, that you've got that team involved and everyone's got their own take on it, I suppose. You know, you may write it, but someone else could. Um, it's kind of like, I, I, okay, I've always wondered. So you, what you do as a, as a screenwriter, where does your role finish in terms of how much detail you put down and then where the actors take that character? You know, do you have to yeah. map a lot of it out or do you leave a lot of it to their own sort of interpretation of what you put down? I think it, it all depends on who you're working with and the, the 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 process. Like it won't be in the it won't be in the script. Like the, the obviously the dialogue's there mm. and and you put some directions in there and you can kind of indicate uh you can sort of indicate obviously you can indicate emotions if someone's crying or whatever but yeah. it it's it um that tends to be sort of frowned on because you don't want to sort of unless you unless it's explicit for story purposes you don't you want to try and leave a bit of leave it sort of open i don't know yeah. a bit different people will think different ways like this is where it gets complicated is when you're trying to um uh yeah get when you're in the sort of like the tiny details of a scene and you're trying to convince someone else of whether it works or not but yeah. i think in terms of actors i think um because i find because i've made i've made short films as well and i find mm. that when i'm working with actors i would like them i found it most rewarding when they kind of take it and just go off and do yeah. do their own thing yeah. um i'm not someone who's precious about dialogue uh and i think that as long as it I, I I think it's sort of it's sort of insane, and obviously obviously some writers do it, but mm. uh, like I think it's 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 a big ask to expect a screenwriter to be able, to, and a novelist as well to be this mm. this applies to, but to to be able to take all these different voices and and to speak with those voices kind yeah. of realist authentically, and a lot of the time you can tell, and I, and I think like. Um, I, I keep if you look at Tarantino I think what well, he's someone who if you look at something like um particularly like like something like Death Proof it feels like all those characters are speaking in his voice that's yeah these aren't sort of and he sort of gets away with it a lot of the time and sometimes it works and you know, especially early on it works really well but I think that's true um yeah of, of a lot of stuff and it, I'd prefer that the that the actors come in and be able to sort of give something and put them Put their own spin on things. Yeah. I think that's always. Yeah. It's really, it's, I find it really exciting when it happens. That like when you see people bring their own thing to uh, to something you've written. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's that's really cool. Well, it's had some sort of effect on them. Plus, you, you know, you're it's a surprise to you. I suppose it, it, you're not you're not expecting every single moment as you've written that sort of thing. So you're experiencing it for yeah. the first time. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. And I think it it just makes it feel more uh realistic i mean it's mm. more authentic if the if these people are speaking in their own voices and 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 um and yeah obviously not changing everything but i'm, I'm talking about uh, this is what odd words but like mm. uh, and so it doesn't always work like sometimes people want to throw stuff in and um it's uh yeah and, and also directors have their own input on things sometimes directors yeah. will be like no, this has to be verbatim as it's in the script. Yeah, yes. Someone's got to have the book, as it were, and you know, in wrestling terms. Um, yeah, you know, it's yeah. there. You know, they get the final say on sort of how it turns out, I suppose, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, like, I think it's it's a shame that what happens in 
film is that you don't get that uh you don't tend to get especially the the the, the level that i've been working at where it's all fairly low budget and there's mm. there's everything's kind of oh we've got this these two weeks let's go and do this now but it, you don't get that sort of rehearsal time which is when the um i mean everything i've done there's been kind of read-throughs like table reads which is good but it's not quite the same as like breaking a scene down and 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 working it out exactly how it's how it's yeah. going to go like in my the stuff i've worked on most of that stuff most of that rehearsal and the kind of blocking things that happens will happen on the day in a sort of yeah. rushed <laughs> kind of yeah, yeah. way but um which is a shame because i think i think some really great stuff can come out of that but yeah you, know. you say you, what you've mainly worked on is sort of you know low budget independent um however you however you sort of term it um a couple of the films that you've worked on that I, I've seen, they've got some recognisable names in there. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Craig Fairbrass, um, was it London Heist? He was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I went past him. I didn't meet him, but he was at a comic con down down our way a couple of years ago. So oh, in well. the same room as him. Um, yeah, yeah. But I've seen he he's done a lot of these sort of films, you know, in recent years. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I think recently, particularly, he seems to be doing. He's almost had a bit of a renaissance where he's, he's mm. kind of become much more of a serious actor um i think yeah. like i think london heist was around the time he was kind of um transitioning from like a sort of action more of an action gangster type person there, there are still they're still kind of prime films yeah. but i think he's regarded much more as a serious actor but yeah, yeah, he, yeah he's uh, he's a really nice bloke craig he's, yeah he's all right because yeah. he wrote that was his um that was his script i mean i was i was i was a uh i was sort of a, i was i brought on initially just to give him some notes because it was with a um a production company in in brighton uh that i was working with and it kind of came through them and they just asked me for some notes on it and then i got talking to i initially got talking to the producer about it uh and eventually met craig and we chatted about it and he was like oh can you do a do a draft on it and we sort of did a few uh back and forth drafts on the script um uh but it's that's one of those ones, and I think this is probably more more akin to sort of working as a as a professional screenwriter on on bigger projects. Uh, like I can't, I watch that film now. I'm I can't really tell you what's mine and right. what was there okay. originally. Like it was, um, it was like already quite far along by the time I got it, and it was really there were a lot of structural. Uh, it was more structural. I mean, this this is the, the this is the thing with about screenwriting is um that's that's tricky is it's really the hardest bit is the structure and there's because there are things you can do <clears throat> and it is hard in novels as well but i think you have a bit more uh leeway to kind of do different things but in in screenwriting you sort of do have to stick to a fairly strict unless you're making unless you're making something yourself and you can kind of yeah um but Generally, you have to stick to a fairly strict structure because otherwise, otherwise, it just it, it, you otherwise you just lose the audience. And I think the problem with the, the thing with London Heist when I got it was that I don't remember, but he goes to he spends half the film in in Marbella and then and then half of it in London because he's sort of on the run. Mm. And <coughs> the script when initially it had several trips going backwards and forwards between right. Marbella and London, and and the, the main thing for me was like, well, that doesn't make any sense because he's from the beginning he's he's on the run so yeah. he kind of needs it just doesn't it's just 
you end up jumping through hoops to try and explain how he can come back and forth yeah so that was, yeah uh, okay. um yeah and that's something simple on the surface when you sort of fresh eyes almost or step back and um yeah and pr- provide that sort of feedback and then it's it kind of like it's obvious then isn't it Maybe you yeah should. yeah yeah but this is this is the the sort of what about the, the collaboration as well is that because it wasn't um the the thing we had a bit we just sort of disagreed on was and it's still in the it, it's still in the film it's that i know it's been so long since I've, since I've seen it but there's the the big um and i won't spoil it but there's a big plot twist which is all about um his sort of craig's character's dad and but it's most of it's to do with another character i forget the character's name but it's all about this other character who you never see um and i had a real like we went back and forth on it for ages so i was just like you can't have a plot twist that involves a character we never we never see yeah because the audience has no reference point for it and it's still kind of i still feel like it doesn't quite work doesn't quite have the sort of punch that it should do because it's it's all about him uncovering this big secret in his family but because you don't see this other character it just doesn't land as well you feel like you've been strung along don't you if something like that happens it's kind of like well i was expecting it to at least go in this kind of direction that you've been building towards but it's completely yeah 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 i completely get that completely get that um some of my most frustrating cinema experiences have been with things like that i don't mind plot twists i actually welcome them but yeah they got to be yeah they got to be done right and fit don't they yeah 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 um Let's let's talk about Paintball Massacre then. Um, right, my, yeah. My wife and I watched it at the weekend. Oh, cool! Amazing. Right, up, right up our street. You know, we are very, right. we've been horror fans for ages. We've seen um, we've seen some truly awful ones. I'm not putting yours in this at all. Um, <laughs> oh, good. Just saying, you know, we we we've seen like the Hollywood blockbuster ones. We've gone right down yeah. to the real kind of dodgy ones. And mm. I mean, right off the bat, tagline on the poster that I saw. And it's a mix between dog soldiers and hot fuzz. One of the first yeah. things my wife says once it gets into it is this reminds me of dog soldiers. She had never seen that poster. Oh, brilliant. So there you go. Um, that definitely, and I definitely get the hot fuzz thing. It is a typical British comedy horror slash. Right. It is it is brilliant. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot oh, of fun. Oh, cool, cool. I'm really glad, really glad you liked it. Yeah, that's <laughs> I was a bit worried to come on and be like, oh, that was no, 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 no. I, li- I like to be honest. And to be fair, I think horror is the one genre that my wife and I are very, very open about um, mm. because we, like I say, we've watched all kinds of them over the years and I've spent money yeah. on some real, real low budget ones. And in, mm. in one breath, I think it's the best thing on earth. And then by the end, I think this is an absolute trite. Um, yeah, we'll yeah, openly yeah. say it because there's some really, really, you know, shoddy ones out there. But I, I, I mm. had a lot of, I, I, I found some a lot of fun. Even just yeah, the premise, cool. it's like, okay, the, the title, Paintball Massacre, it, you don't need much more to explain what's going to happen. To be fair, yeah. Um, how did the idea come about? Firstly, let's let's start there. So this one was it the the way it came to me, um, because it wasn't so it wasn't my idea to begin with. It was uh the um what the producer brendan uh i'd worked with him on tendered men um he was the actor and he was the lead actor in Ted, which was this really low budget film we made in um in brighton in the 2000s um and so he was the lead in that we took stayed in touch and then the director darren darren berry he was 
I'd I'd worked with him on and off um, over the years, and and we at the time we were kind of working on we 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 were sort of casually talking about working on something together, mm. uh, and then. Yeah, so he was in touch with Brendan and Brendan mentioned this idea to him and he came to me with it. Uh, and so I, I can't remember exactly. Um, so it was it, the way it was presented to me was, because they, they hadn't fully fleshed it out. It, it was, they had the, the school reunion and then they go uh, and the, the, they go and do paintball and then people start getting killed. And they had the idea that they would be killed in a way related to their professions. Um, and some of the kills have been worked out. So that's right. what that was what was was given to me. There weren't really any any sort of characters or any kind of right. um the the actual sort of story wasn't there, but that that was the that sort of basic premise was yeah. was there already. Uh but I think quite quickly I was like, this can't be um well it's funny i i wanted to i, I knew you wanted to it wanted to be funny hmm. but we never really referred to it as a comedy until it's really until it was filmed okay <laughs> <laughs> uh which i know that seems ridiculous when you watch it because clearly uh i mean we had i remember when we discussed i think the <coughs> first kind of comedic element we talked about was the when the guy uh blows up on the landmine yes. um and like so that was that was in there from fairly early on that okay. that is brendan that's the, that's the producer right. um and uh yeah so yeah him kind of doing this big speech and then stepping the landmine that was that was kind of um well, spoiler but that was no, uh, no. it's only one of them there's some great ones in there oh yeah no, yeah <laughs> it might be in the trailer <laughs> but um yeah that that uh so that was that was the so i knew i got a bit of license to go there but the big thing for me um I guess the uh, in terms of the, the, the sort of process was um, there's uh, there's a character called Sara who is this I mean she's sort of a cliche she's sort of a typical stoner character but she has this um, speech in the film about the Fast and Furious films mm. and that was that was like the most important thing for me because I, I I kind of um, figured out like. That was how I sort of figured out the tone because I it was a speech that I'd written. It was, I mean, originally it wasn't. It was about Star Trek. It wasn't about Fast and Furious, but it was. Right. It was this sort of stoner film fan speech, mm -hmm. and that I'd used. I'd written in something that wasn't ever finished. So I was, I was like, oh, I've got, I'm going to use that speech, and from there I kind of built up that character, and I was like, okay, and that set set the tone of it for me. Was that it's not, it's not a sort of comedy where it's full of jokes the way these characters sort of react to things is going yeah. to be funny it's because... typically british i will give yeah. you that and it is british humor it's something that you can only expect to have over here with the likes of Shaun of the dead hot fuzz things like that out mm. there and um, yeah 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 i've done perfectly with that but yeah uh, the touching on the the way the way they die just quickly like you touched on there there was a, a method between you know, mm. um behind how they die i really love that in a film because it's not mindless then once you realize that you're really intrigued even more because it becomes really imaginative you know how yeah how can you how can you do this you know and again i'm not going to give any of them away because i think people need to watch it um, yeah there cool. are some cracking ones in there especially with the estate agent 
I quite like that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one that they already had worked out. That's one. Uh, that's very yeah, good. yeah. But they, yeah. I mean, that was like the, the other, the other sort of big turning point in writing the script was um, uh, the uh, I, I approached it like a like an Agatha Christie mystery as well. That was the that was a okay. big thing yeah. because uh, I I went back um, and read um, when I was working. I went back and read, uh, and then there were none. Uh, and it's like it is like a prototype for the slasher film like it's it's, okay. it's i think it's 10 characters it's a, a bunch of characters turn up to this island and then they're killed off one by one and they're all killed off in weird ways and it is that is quite a blueprint isn't it i can think of already yeah. loads that, that follow that yeah 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 well it's even got it's even got the um the crazy ralph character like the beginning of even then the run on there was there's a guy at the docks who tells them not to go to the island so it's sort of it's all there and yeah I was, yeah um is yeah, that the guy behind the bar in this one is that the bar man? so in the, yeah that was the point of the guy yeah that was the point of the guy behind the bar yeah, yeah don't go down to the quarry yeah yeah, yeah. another big yeah. name in there that i recognize is um uh nicholas Vince, wasn't it yeah the chat, yeah, the chatter yeah from hellraiser yeah 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 so i got him in, involved because he he uh oh. We, I was on his podcast ages ago and I was doing a web series and um, uh, so he interviewed me for his podcast and then we sort of stayed in touch uh, on and off and um, uh, they needed someone, they wanted someone for that bar, barman character mm. who was, they were trying to get a sort of cameo and they, uh, they were going to all kinds of people um, and then it was getting close to the shoot date and they still didn't sort it out but that, um, yeah, and I thought, oh, Nicholas would be great for this but it was, it was a weird one because um they couldn't work out whether and 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 casting casting nicholas in it sort of made the decision for us because um we couldn't work out whether it should be uh a sort of comedic cameo or like a, a horror cameo i was like yeah. it needs to be the crazy realm it needs to be the sort of horror <laughs> thing but there was a point where they were looking at um they i think they had a connection to martin clunes and, and okay. a couple of other sort of people like that where right. it was going to be more of a kind of um I guess like Katie Brand is in, in it, yeah. more of a kind of here's this comedian doing doing yeah. a cameo in it. So, um, yeah, but I'm glad that I'm glad that way went the way it did because I think that's it. It just needed without it, it it because I, I I really it was really important to me that the horror didn't start too early because I really mm. like to get to know the characters. I think if you don't yeah. get to know the characters before the killing starts then you just don't care you don't like, do you? Well, no no yeah yeah completely so right. yeah so but but at the same time when we didn't have that scene with the barman it sort of didn't quite feel like there's just a bit of it's only tiny but there's a bit of threat that comes <laughs> from, yeah. from him saying yeah. don't go here so yeah <laughs> but like kids it's like like saying don't touch the red button in it really it's gonna mm. happen as soon as you know they've said that well it can only go wrong so, uh, yeah, yes. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I got to ask as well because I'm down in Devon. Um, I'm not, oh, okay. a, not a million miles from um, sort of Yeovil Sparkford where it was right. uh, filmed. Um, yeah, do yeah. you know what? What the? Is there any significance behind having it there? Was it? Was it somebody involved so, in it who was from there? Or? Yeah. So the other producer, Joe Joe Hellett, um, it uh, he was really sort of the one who got got this um, got the funding and everything. Uh, for the for the film uh so he was from he's from there mm. and there was some early on we were talking about uh i think we were looking at filming it kind of outside london um just 
because most of the cast were going to be from there mm. and the uh, the director lives there and it, it sort of um was going to so we were looking i think we were looking at a few places but then um i think joe and brendan together because brendan sort of around that area or somewhere in the middle maybe but they found this place this this quarry um that was being used for uh it was being used for a paintball um okay. paintball game. right there was a paintball company kind of using it um and so they went and looked at that and basically it ha- had everything there it had um and, you know had sort of a wooded bit and yeah. it had this all the, these hills and things and 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 everything was there that they needed so so they ended up moving it there it's it it, it sort of made it in some ways made it more difficult because um yeah then everyone had to travel there you had to put yeah. i mean like it, most of the budget went on um and i don't know exact figures but i'd say a lot of it went on accommodation for the cast and crew right, like that's yeah. like it's this weird thing when you're quite when you're sort of working on really low budget stuff like there's a there's such a massive difference between like doing it on favor like i've done stuff before where i've just not where you're just asking for favors and you just yeah. everyone works for free and they do it because they they're interested in the project or they're, yeah. or they're doing you a favor and then you do something for one of theirs but um but the next step if you i mean even if you're doing something with a crew of like five and and three actors like if you decide to pay all those people minimum wage and put them up in a hotel and feed them yeah then quite quite quickly your budget spirals out of control so yeah. yeah and it did so that there was and it caused all kinds of problems because <laughs> um, it was shot in october and and i didn't go to the main shoot i went for some of the pickups later on but the um uh there were all kinds of weather problems and get uh, the, the yeah. schedule went out the window fairly quickly <laughs> <early on>. so <laughs> the, i think there were kind of um advantages and disadvantages of doing it out there but it did mean they could be contained Right. So it was all all the locations were in the quarry and then the bar uh was where um uh, they also put put a lot of the actors up the, mm-hmm. they had a bed and breakfast so they put a lot of the actors up there so it okay. was kind of they fed people there um yeah so it was uh, it was all quite self-contained but, okay um, cool yeah and sticking with the location kind of thing this is sort of veering off course just very very um, mm. very quickly i believe you're from stoke on trent yeah yeah this, yeah, is, yeah, this yeah. is probably something that's not been brought up before <laughs> um, no, no. I, only, be, only, only because my wife and I, uh, we went to uh, Staffordshire Uni, and we lived. Up oh in no Stoke. way! Yeah, oh cool. We we lived up there for three years while we were up there. Just um, oh wow. We were on the the main sort of Leak Road campus, and then we lived just on right. the uh, up in Shelton, just on the outskirts of Hanley right. for a couple of years. So, oh, um, amazing. So how uh, it, I needed to ask, really, knowing what you the kind of things you write and everything. Did did Stoke or any part of Stoke influence any? Anything you've written at all? I don't know if it. I well, yeah. I mean, yes and no. I think it did. I, think, I mean, I think it. I think it did and it didn't. I mean, I got I got out of Stoke as soon as I could. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like me. I'm from Basingstoke, and that's the first thing I okay. did when I could at 18. So I, I did get out. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think. Well, this is the thing. I think that's it's not necessarily to do with the place. It's to do with that kind of. I don't know. I just needed to. to, to, to so, so I'm in. I'm in Worthing now, just outside Brighton. But okay. um, the uh, and and I, I think. Uh, and this is off, off topic, but I think part of that as well was, um, and, and, and I think things have changed now because of the internet, but I think certainly when I was um, left uni, it was, because uh, I moved back to Stoke briefly and the, it was just harder to get stuff done. Like when I moved down to, 
Brighton and we did the, the film we did in Brighton Tender Men that I wrote like that came out about quite organically there were just loads of people with okay. equipment and making right. stuff and uh and you know when I've done short films down here it, it was it's always easy to find people because there, it, it's a place full of creative people where and sure. Stoke and Trent may well be like that now. I don't. I don't know. But it's a. It wasn't when I was. Uh, certainly when I was a teenager, it felt like yeah. uh, quite cut off from the rest of the world. Um, yeah. But definitely, like this, one of the things I always remember where we lived. Um, there was a, a kind of. I lived in Milton, which is a little, little village, mm-hmm. um, and it, there was a a sort of old canal, and then over the canal there was a this abandoned railway track. And I used to go walking up and down there all the time. And that had like these, um, had all these like old sort of pottery factories and things mm-hmm. along it. And some of them really kind of um, like, some of them still still working, but some of them really sort of like broken down and abandoned yeah. and stuff. And that, like, I always think of that. It always reminded me of, I don't know if you, you know, uh, Eraserhead, the, the David Lynch film. Yes. Like yeah. there's a bit in that way kind of walks off I think he only goes to the factory with the and there's the whole actual eraser head bit, but it's it's sort of like I don't know, I suppose a bit industrial and a bit, yeah. but also a bit kind of run down and yeah. Um, yeah, there was a lot of that around. So I don't know if that sort of um, and also the, the, uh, I I think that even though I didn't feel connected to the the filmmaking because filmmaking was was London and Hollywood and all too far away to be real i did sort of um i was a huge clive barker fan yeah. uh growing up and he was uh liverpool and that was that was within reach you know, yeah. together on school trips and things so yeah. um uh yeah so it, it, there was kind of um yeah did it the, i think i think there was there were kind of bits of bits of that that, that, yeah. that led it fed into my i totally get that I you, my housemate and i I can't think it was probably our second year when we were up at uni. I got, we both got a summer job at the Sainsbury distribution center, just down from the Britannia stadium. And we walked from our house up, like I say, in Shelton. And we we used to walk all the way down and we walked um, like by the canal around the back Mm. of like the industrial sections or whatever. Yeah. At like half four or five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And uh, if I was on my own, I don't think I would have done it. It it, it didn't feel like the safest place or the safest route to take but um oh, that's really oh cool. yeah we used to, i mean we, we always used to walk back back from hanley when we were yeah <laughs> a few beers and go uh, these weird routes but yeah it's uh, yeah 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 that, cool. i think that's i mean there's some there's some really nice countryside around there as well it's yeah like a, it's a weird i, I think that like it's a weird I, I think it's such a weird place i think partly because of the, the, the fact that it's made made up of the of the different towns yeah it doesn't feel like it's got its own like almost doesn't feel like it's got its own identity no. it sort of has if you live there but like but also not quite like it doesn't really have a center it doesn't um, yeah but it's um, all it's all it, these separate places that, again completely get that we treated them like separate yeah. places yeah yeah we go yeah, where we go yeah. we're going to stoke we're not going hamlet we're going to stoke because yeah. stoke town yeah, yeah. was completely different in a way you know it was, it was a yeah. separate entity yeah. to hamlet so yeah yeah yeah. Oh, good time. Sorry, I was just been yeah. random on the train oh. there, but when I saw that, I thought, oh, yeah, I got to bring it up. That was great. I happy to talk about Stoke. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's move on to your um your sort of novel writing side, right? Um, so your your horror novel that you've got out, Astaroth. 
yeah. I believe. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Is that um, when when did that come out? Give us a bit of a premise about it. I've read the synopsis this morning and it sounds brilliant. Um, oh, cool. So, yeah. So to introduce us to it. And yeah. So that came, I think it was last, last year, I think I published it and uh, it was. It, so, so the premise, the premise is that the, there's this um, this woman in Brighton, and she's her dad's died, and she's inherited this house, and the house is haunted. It's a straightforward premise: the house is haunted. Like she knows there's something wrong with the house, mm. and she speaks to to try and sort it out because she wants to sell the house. Uh, she speaks to two ghost hunters, and one of them is like this big TV ghost hunter who's had his own show but is kind of on the decline mm -hmm. and the other one is a total skeptic who is interested in kind of investigating but he's had this one paranormal experience when he was a kid so he's interested in investigating it but uh but he totally is a skeptic he will yeah. he goes to things to debunk them and so he's kind of jealous of the they have this sort of professional rivalry because he's he's never had the success that the other guy said because the other guy is more like um likely to kind of fake stuff what mm -hmm. this is his opinion anyway that, that yeah. he's he's sort of will do whatever and make a big deal out of stuff yeah. and and this other the um yeah, the other the skeptic is more like no this is a science we have to actually do this properly and mm -hmm. it takes time and um so by a, a sort of circumstance um it, because they end up she thinks neither of them are going to do it but in the end they both turn up and and it's it sort of escalates from there uh they both have these very different approaches um and it's it's a book really about sort of about belief uh fairly early on something happens and it's sort of to the characters and the reader to really work out well not to work out but to but to decide whether they believe it's how bad it is or right. <laughs> if they believe it's serious or not okay. or paranormal or not or and it's um yeah and it's very i, I suppose like similar to um, I, I think it's obvious my background in screenwriting is obvious because it, it's all set in one room mostly it starts okay. off in a few different places but most of it's set in this one room over this one really one one afternoon this this, this sort of one ghost ghost okay. investigation That's um but it yeah it gets sort of quite crazy but towards the end cool. um yeah I, but it's, uh, I was gonna say is it part of a series am i right i'm thinking or yes is it so it is part of the series i've started writing the next one it's it, it, it's a standalone story in itself mm. the frame there is a framing narrative uh about this kind of blogger who um is a mortician mm -hmm. um who kind of she kind of interprets these stories from dead bodies yeah. and then that's the conceit is that she's sort of publishing these stories yeah. um and uh so that story carries on i think uh, so i'm planning to do three i've got um and then i'll probably cap it at that but there's the there is yeah there is there will be a through line and the third one will kind of resolve resolve all cool. of that but the second one again is going to be a, a standalone story That's on its cool. own cool, cool. Look forward to yeah. that one. Look forward to that so in terms of your i mean we could look at it from your your filmmaking your screenwriting aspect and your novel writing um who are some of the figures that you you are inspired by or that you feel that you you may maybe influenced by in any way over the years with your writing um 
I think all kinds of things really. I mean, like, and so when I, I mean, when I was growing up, it was definitely it was Clive Barker, um, John Carpenter, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I think probably everyone who's into horror, because yeah, <laughs> I grew up in the eighties and nineties, probably says that. But like, um, yeah, Carpenter and uh, Ramsey Campbell, in terms of yeah. novels, was, was a big influence. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, and, and also the. Um, I like uh, M.R. James, the kind of classic ghost stories. Yes. Uh, and I think that kind of links into um, the uh, Japanese horror films. I'm a big big fan of the Japanese horror films. And I think that there's a real crossover between the M.R. James stuff and the, the a lot of the Japanese horror films. Like if you look at Ring mm. or, um, or The Grudge, um, like the ghosts and those things this is it's a thing that happens in i think that and it does happen in other stuff as well but particularly in mr james and in japanese horror films if the ghost gets you then you're done yeah. <laughs> like if you if you encounter one of their ghosts <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's it like yeah. you, there's no getting out of it you're mm. you're gonna die horribly yeah and um uh, there's no none of this kind of oh if we find this thing and bury it somewhere then the ghost will be yeah, put to rest and everything yeah. will be happy there's yeah. none of that in in um yeah so uh yeah i quite like that kind of dark sort of um, i, I ghost ghost films i can i can read ghost stories one of my favorite um horror authors is james herbert right and, yeah, yeah um ghosts of sleuth is one of my favorite books of all time oh cool and it just had me i mean there's a couple of his books that i i, I used to read on my lunch breaks at work and i started off reading others and it's the first one mm. that i actually i was towards the end and i couldn't put it down so i i walked back to work from my car reading right because i had to know before i got back yeah, what happened yeah. and everything and no 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 other writer's really done that to me but yeah, from a film yeah. point of view ghost stories never really excite me right from the mm. from the off um and lesser like that, like you just said, like there is something really, I mean, it's, it's obvious to say about horror, but really quite horrific, you know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And sort of chilling about it rather than this thing you don't see that does things mm. you do see and you never really get a sense of what it is or, or until the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've always been drawn to like supernatural things because I think when you're, when it works, and if a ghost story can make you scared, because I don't believe in ghosts, like I don't, I don't mm. sort of, I'm not a sort of superstitious person. I don't really, uh, and I think that, but I think that's why it's so great is this mm. idea that like this thing that I know doesn't exist, but this, that, that if a film can leave me scared of that, yeah, <laughs> like scared yeah. to turn the light off, yeah, um, because of something that I know <coughs> can't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, I yeah. just think that that's really incredible that that, that works. Yeah. Um, there's there's one film out there and uh, people are probably gonna laugh at this again because of some of the things i've i've written i can write mm. about but there's um um growing up one of the films that scared the hell out of me was et i still can't right. watch it absolutely hate it um really right. freaks me out so from a horror film point of view there's been one in the last few years um, called alien alien abduction um right. which is one of these kind of found footage sort of things and there was really something about it it's the way it's shot it's whenever mm. the the aliens are on screen you get a static on the camera so you don't see them but you know they're coming and right it's just things like it's things you don't see almost that make it really and i that's one film that i uh in the last few years i, I i've struggled to go off to sleep after watching oh wow um and one of the books that i'm going to be working on this year that i've started years and years ago 
mm. um, is, is an alien abduction story. And I think because right. I've struggled to write it because I've actually got a genuine fear of it. Right. It's almost like I relate to it too much. Yeah, sort of thing, yeah, yeah. You know? and, and again, that's something someone could say that never happened. You know, it's something so far out there, you know, science fiction that it, it might be happening. You don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, well, that's a, that's, a, that's a, the, 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 what, what I really struggle with is uh, like home invasion films mm. uh, because that's too real. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I hear that from um, so many people, you know. Yeah, they, again, yeah. They're the ones that don't straight off the bat. They don't do anything for me. They don't draw me into it because I like monster films. I like things that are very yeah. visual. And that to me doesn't have. Uh, it's not a visual element but yeah when you get mm. sucked into it and you realize okay that could happen someone could be i i mm. can go down to my kitchen our garden is pitch black and quite often yeah. i would think what if yeah. there's somebody there i don't know about it you know? yeah 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 definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 so pe- people i've heard this uh, and i think i heard it on one of the other podcasts that you've done but i've heard this before is people um say they won't watch horror films Mm. um because you know they're too horrific or they're not believable or whatever but they'll watch true crime documentaries of stuff yeah, that that's actually weird... happens <laughs> you know? yeah 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 I, mean, I think a lot scarier in that yeah yeah i mean I, i've always approached horror as like a roller coaster like i love um uh i love like horror mazes and like horror mm. experiences and things like that and i love uh a, a vr and like vr horror yeah. experience like i played resident evil 7 I, I played all of that in vr and it's it's horrible wow like the whole thing was was like i played half of that all... on the xbox and it freaked me out enough <laughs> yeah that was that one i played all the others and they again they haven't right. really had that effect the silent hill no. resident evil 7 yeah. was really creepy yeah creepy there's me. something about the especially when you're in vr i think it's the vr is always the horror stuff in vr is always scarier mm. when nothing's happening and your it's the anticipation, which was it's true of films as well. But because there's something about it being that you're the one in control. That there's a bit in Resident Evil Seven. There's quite early on. There's a bit where uh, the the your sort of wife in it, I think, uh, is possessed, and she kind of uh, goes. She disappears down into a basement, and there's nowhere else to go except down into this basement. And you can just hear her laughing. Yeah, and it's pitch black, and you're like. I don't want to go down there. No. And there were a few times I turned it on and just didn't go. <laughs> I was like, no, I can't do it tonight. I can't do it. And, and it was almost like forcing yourself to do it. But then I don't know when you, when you do it, it's um, yeah, I think there is a sort of role. Like it is because you used to, I think, I think John Carpenter has said this as well, but you get through it and you survived. And yeah. it's like, oh, I did that. And yeah, then, yeah. 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 So, yeah. When um, horror works, it's great. Oh, absolutely. And this is the thing. This is, this is where we, we, we get frustrated with horror at times because, you know, we will stick a film on and it, we don't last 20 minutes within it because it's mm. lost us completely. And it's just so either badly produced, badly acted, or the idea is just, you know, really, really terrible. Yeah. Um, and you yeah. get some of that and absolutely blinding that, you know, yeah. you, you, you almost don't want to end because. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. So. I also think, I think a lot of it is context. And I, I, I think it's about films. Uh, anyway like i do think that um i think we put too much stock in whether whether something is on the surface good or bad yeah uh but so much of it relates to like and sometimes you have to open yourself up to it but i think a lot of it does relate to personal experience like when i saw um 
the one I always refer back to is, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. When I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it was when it was re-released. Yes. So obviously it was banned for years. I remember. Re-released. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the 90s, I guess. And yes. I went uh I went on my own just to the just to the Odeon in, in Stoke. And um and I was it was the middle of the day and I was like, oh, I just want to go and see it. I knew none of my mates would be interested because it was old. Yeah. So I just went on my own and I was the only one there. And it was it was horrible. Like it yeah. was just and I felt like that from when it came out afterwards it really felt like it sort of changed like because it came out it was still daylight it was mm. summer so it was really bright came out to the sort of sunlight and suddenly you're looking at everyone going oh, I don't trust anyone anymore <laughs> they all could be weird <laughs> they all could be like that, that family so oh, um, but just the intensity of it in that cinema and you couldn't go yeah. anywhere it's just, it's just me and um, I said the idea as well that it had been banned before this is what drew me in i didn't right. see it in the cinema yeah. I, I i don't know how old i was but channel four broadcast it one saturday night it must have been halloween possibly um mm. and i managed i don't know how i did because i wasn't really shouldn't have really been old enough to watch it but right i i managed to stay up late enough to see the first part of it mm. because i saw in the paper i was just flicking through the paper at my nan and granddad's and it said this band film it's finally been released on TV, and I was like, oh, God, "What's so bad about it?" And you mm. get to that initial scene where you see Leatherface, and he pulls the screen back, yeah, yeah. takes the guy down, takes him, and then he, he's got the girl, and he puts her on the hook. Um, yeah, yeah. That whole bit for me, that was it. I had to turn it off. Yeah, that is, I, I think, think it's where just... horror, where I was introduced to horror. Yeah, um, I mean, it's just so weird. The whole yeah. way is not shot, and I think. I don't do, you know, Toby even made some great films, but I think like there's something I when you look into the making of it, I think it seems like I mean it seems like they were all going a bit mad. Mm. It was, you know, they had no money. It was really a really tough shoot. And mm. I think it's almost I don't want to like take anything away from him, but I do think there's something almost accidental about how like messed up and with the weird atmosphere it's got like i yeah. think it's you can feel the heat like the sort of yeah. sweat and the it's just the a grimy gross film like it's sort of, um, <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know i think i think it's, it's, it's really good and, but uh, I, I, we don't i think we've lost that in a way that that sense of the uh the the, the band film where you just yeah because nothing's you know we I think, like no and you, you, we had the well like there was the sort of um uh the, the video nasties and the, the sort of like the that whole era and, mm. and, and of stuff that you kind of go oh I've got to I've got to see that but it's yeah. um yeah it's hard to imagine if, if something gets banned now it's for really bad reasons you're like no I don't actually it, want to see that <laughs> yeah and a lot of it probably be like politically correctness as well and things like that yeah, probably than anything yeah. else we were discussing Evil Dead the other night actually um, right how that started because that was very much like an indie film yeah um, yeah. And it's almost like the charm of the indie film seems to be lost a lot because I feel a lot of these, they try to make themselves look like an indie film about to be, yeah. bit, that can be accepted as a cult film. And I think if you yeah. try to do that, it's obvious and you see right through it. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, the ones that are just made on a shoestring, I don't know, just for a bunch of, a group of friends that want to do it, want to watch it and all of a sudden it takes off. That's why I yeah. kind of think if Paintball Massacre, you know, could be picked up like that because I think it really fits the the British aesthetic perfectly. For, yeah, for a yeah, film. yeah, yeah. 
you know so if yeah, you like people get on so. with it. but it's it's yeah it's really is when when you you can see that's a film's trying to look as budget as possible so it could be accepted as real kind of underground hit yeah whatever yeah i think we're in this weird sort of i think it's this weird time at the moment because i think anything that that comes out is kind of um even by its nature is kind of referencing so much other stuff and so much yeah. other culture now. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's quite hard, but that's, but that, but then I, I still see stuff that surprises me. I really liked that film. The that most recent horror film I saw that I really liked was, um, have you seen uh, In the Earth, the uh, Ben Wheatley? No. Um, I, it was one he made over, I think he made over lockdown. I'm not, I'm not a huge Ben Wheatley fan generally, but uh, I, I, I mean, I sort of like to kill this and stuff, but, like I didn't, I wouldn't necessarily seek him out, but this, and it was just like on and I was uh, on something and I watched it and it was, um, yeah, I really liked it. Like it, yeah. it's, it sort of, um, I think I, I always go back to this. I think it's what it is about that film is it's the, uh, cause it's just these, the two sort of researchers get lost in the woods and mm. there's a creepy guy and then there's a the whole thing with mushrooms, but <laughs> the, the sort of the characters are in it are really, they're really well acted. I think that's something Ben really does do really well is he works with his actors really well. But they there's a sort of authenticity to the characters and that just drew me in with those characters. And then you go, as I was talking about the paper massacre, as soon as I'm as soon as I care about it, I don't necessarily have to like them, but as soon as I'm invested in their what they're doing, yeah. it's like, oh now I don't want anything to happen to them. And then the stuff <laughs> starts happening and you're like, oh but yeah, that's one that I thought was really well done. So I okay. think there's always new stuff out there that's that's, that's yeah. still good. It's um it's almost like you got some, some people think think you got to push the boundaries and uh, make things yeah, shocking yeah. for them to be scary. And as I've got yeah. older, I've appreciated less is more to a degree. Uh, I think yeah, there's got to be yeah, some substance yeah. there. I don't want to go through a film where I, I still don't know what's happened, you know, except something happened on its own, but I can't see what caused it, sort of thing. You know, I feel really unfulfilled with that. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sort of when Saw came along, I think things like torture porn as they call it became too much of a thing there were way too many that followed that bl- blueprint it wasn't original anymore it did but then it did that did give us martyrs and i love martyrs oh okay <laughs> martyrs is a great film, but, um Fair Fair I don't, I, yeah i don't but then again all this stuff is is it sort of it depends where you where you come at it from but yeah. um i will say uh, the sort the, what i loved about the saw um franchise and probably the same mm. like final destination is the the ingenious ways you can kill people. You yes. Know, it was always, I was always like, what are they going to do next? Not that I was wanting to be shocked by it. It's like from a writing perspective, actually, it's just the imagination yeah. that goes into it, I think. Um, yeah. Well, that was yeah. the, in, in Paintball Massacre, that was the whole, the gag with the uh, uh, the guts and the key. Yeah. Um, that was, that that was sort of, um, everyone saw, the, the, yeah. my thinking was, what if there's a character who, when given the gross scenario just goes i'm just gonna do it i know <laughs> like, someone's gotta do it yes and so. it was i'm trying to remember who which character did that because i think i was quite surprised by it being them oh it was it was it, it was lauren it was the sweary uh yeah that, yeah yeah so I, out of that, everyone yeah. mind you what there's one surprise in that which really did draw me in is the casting of lee from steps oh right yeah yeah very very i was like i'd never even thought he would 
be in a film, let alone one like right. this. So I was intrigued to see what would happen to him. You know, so that was well, that was that was that I was going back to this. That was that was uh he so he was in Ten Dead Men as well. So he's a friend of uh Brendan, uh the producer, okay. and he so he was in Ten Dead Men and and he I don't think he even had I don't think he even had lines in Ten Dead Men. <laughs> he was just <laughs> one of the dead men. So Yeah, yeah, I mean he was, he was, he was uh uh but yeah, I think get a couple of like, like, like Tender Bear was one of those films we filmed at weekends and we just would get, like there was a script, but we would just get, uh, and it was mostly the, the producer and the director, would, they would just get whoever's available, whatever we can get. And like, we'd have these crazy meetings where like the producer, Phil would be like, oh, I've got, I think I can get a helicopter. Can you ride in a helicopter? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Space. And it's so many versions of the script. That, yeah, yeah, they would just have all kind of, um, to this but uh, but then we got to bring you back to horror we got um so we, by the end we had this real sort of mess of it was a revenge film it was just a straightforward revenge film it was a real kind of mess but it didn't it needed to kind of some coherence mm. and so I was, we'd, we'd already planned to give it a narration um and we again it's, i think it was phil's sort of random idea we got uh, doug bradley to do be the narrator in it right um and uh that was sort of um yeah, that that could have pulled it all together. I mean, whether it works or not today, I don't know. But um, it did kind of it was this weird thing where everything was shot, and I did another rewrite on it, and just kind of it, we did it as this kind of um, as if he was telling this weird kind of dark fairy tale okay. about, about his characters. So, so your your work as as the as the writer on this, it's never really done. So you always kind of imagine the writing comes first. The script is there you pass it over that's job done you know but there's yeah. calls to kind of change it even as it's being shot i think on i think on bigger projects i think that is generally how it works mm. because if you've got a contract you know most people aren't going to do more work than mm. they're contracted to do or being paid for yeah. uh but but on these where it's been like so so london heist was very much like that like i did the did the rewrite um and uh i think i did um I think we probably did do a bit more than I was supposed to. But I did, we, did, we did worked on it for as long as it was it took, and then but then that was it. It was done. Like yeah. I never, I think you know, they the two, it took them two or three years to get it shot and out, yeah. and then. Um, but it was a, a paintball massacre. I think again, it was a much smaller project, and also because I was working with friends as well, mm. and it was a much more personal, not personal like that happened to me, but like personal in like. Um, like of all the stuff I've done in, in films, it's probably the most, like if I show that to friends, they go, oh yeah, I can tell you wrote that. Like, cause it's, okay. it's got, I basically it's got like the weird Fast and Furious bit in and the, the, these sort yeah. of weird little quirks and, and, and things that are very kind of me. And, um, and so, but yeah, so on that one, it was very, it was more a case of it. I really wanted to do whatever it took to get it, get it made. And when they got to, when we, I ended up working on it right the way through to the, to the very end of that one because they're um they shot for four weeks and the film was probably about because of various issues i was sort of alluded to earlier weather and and things like that, scheduling issues mm. it was only about 70 percent of the script was was done right. was was shot um and then uh, the, then there's no money to sort of get to, to you know we, they needed like another to do it properly it was going to take another week or two, probably two weeks of reshoots so rather than kind of go down that route we kind of went back to the script and we were like what the, uh, the producer jay said to me well what 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 can we is there anything 
we can cut down or can we minimize it mm-hmm. to the point where so we kind of i think what we ended up doing was they edited what they had and then i looked at that edit and was like right well we definitely need a scene where this happens right and and things things like that and um and then we did a we did a weekend we just did a weekend of reshoots in the end and that sort of pulled okay. it all together um but yeah right right up until the end or even on the when they were doing the sound <laughs> um they were sending me the edit and stuff which was great like i i, I mean yeah well it was just nice to be um to to see it through really yeah. because otherwise um you just don't hear from stuff normally until it's no. out and then but like like with london highs by then you're like i have no connection don't feel any connection no, to this true, in, in, at all so yeah being involved all the way through I mean, we, we went and did uh i thought uh, yeah it's a shame it's obviously lockdown and everything happened but we did manage in one of the sort of breaks in lockdown we didn't um we managed to get up uh get a screening room in london and we took a, a bunch of us went um went went up to see it and that was mm. like it really felt like i'd seen it through from like writing it mm. in the beginning to like, here we are now watching it and i'd sort of been involved all the way all the way yeah. through um but yeah which i think is quite rare mm. but yeah it was that i really really enjoyed that cool cool, yeah. cool. <clears throat> from a last couple of questions here before we start to wrap up unfortunately so so from a <clears throat> one horror writer to another and screenwriter um what what path would one follow if we wanted to you know we all want to see our like i said at the beginning we all want to see our books up there on the screen that's the, that's the dream especially for me what what route does a, a writer need to take if any to to be able to do that i, I would say because i don't um uh like i mean i'm in a way still in the same in the same boat but i would say to just go and make stuff mm. like it's it's sort of it's not as hard like i think once you start kind of like making because i think what a lot of people want to do there is this sort of aspect particularly in screenwriting uh people do screenwriting because um i guess coming at it from another angle like the one of the great things about books and about self-publishing books is that like you get to see like it's a really painful message, but you get to see the whole project through yeah. to completion and you yeah. get it out but with films the, the big issue with films is that they, they cost so much money so much money to, to make mm. like i was saying about the hotel costs and things it's, 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 you, until you look into it like and, or until you're sort of involved in it you don't it's really hard to and even then the amounts of money that are being spent on films mm. uh it's um and even though but like even some of the films that you probably think are quite low budget are probably like a few hundred thousands even today yeah. like I, I think that's still still the case just because of the cost involved in getting that many people to to work mm. and like paying that yeah. many people to do for a few weeks and then yeah. all the post-production costs and and everything so um but what what you get therefore is this idea that that if you um uh that you sort of sit there and write a great script that it almost becomes like uh you're writing you're sort of writing a lottery ticket you're spending like a couple of years mm. but you've got this this thing that you hope is going to win you millions yeah, of yeah, like yeah. It's, it's that because it is that random it is like 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 the, i know there are competitions and you and you can send stuff off and there are ways that people but that sort of that sort of um like so 
as a counter to that, the way I've always done things is just by just making stuff. Like all all the films I've made, they've all come through connections. Like you know, working on people's short films, um, sure. having like a community. Like I had in Brighton, there's a community of filmmakers, and you know that was how I got in into. That's how I got. Um, London Heist was through friends who I'd worked with on Tended Men. Yeah. Paintball Massacre was friends. Again, it was a lot of those same people. But um, but I find if you kind of um, just start working, so I, I would I would say if, if you've got something like that you want to see on screen, the best thing to do, like maybe like yes, maybe making a whole film is a bit unrealistic. But you what you could do is either take. Uh, a short story and make that into a short film mm-hmm. or even just take a scene if you write a scene and either get some like um you know i mean every, every everywhere's got um there are people who there are great actors everywhere this is the other thing because again actor acting is another profession that's really competitive yeah. um but but i've worked with so many incredible actors that that sort of will do stuff just to, because they want to collaborate yeah. and act and things mm-hmm. so uh, you know and with the internet you can put calls out and things so I, I would definitely recommend just just getting something together because there's yeah. still you kind of learn so much from doing that just by seeing even just the table read even just getting people together if you write a script mm. and then just get some people it's it's, it's what's something i do on everything right everything whatever level like on paintball massacre we did it even before we'd cast it we got just some friends together mm. uh, and we met up in London in a, and got a student sort of hired a studio and we just did a, a read through the script and it was it was for the to help the writing really it wasn't necessarily a part of the production it was like I could do with hearing these voices and voices yeah. that were not my own um, yeah. so but even from that you get a sense of how this will look and what works and what doesn't and um yeah, so that, yeah, and I, I always cool. think that the solution is just to make stuff, and then okay. things things tend to happen. Awesome. But, well, um, you never know. You never know. That wasn't just for me. That was for anyone watching this <laughs> who may be in the same vein. So it wasn't yeah. totally selfish, but cool. Um, so this, I'll make this my final question. Um, theoretically, then I like to sort of do these theoretical kind of mm. things where I can. Um, is there a a book? It doesn't have to be horror, but it can be since we've been talking about that. Is, is there a mm. book out there and that you would absolutely love to be involved in putting on the screen that may not have been done already? Yeah, there is. I've got an answer for this. Yeah, oh. <laughs> it's um, the book, The uh, the Hungry Moon uh, by Ramsey yeah. Campbell. I don't know if you've read it, but it's like it's it, it's sort of uh, I guess it's folk horror. Okay. Um, I don't know. This may be in development. I don't even. I've not looked. I always don't look into it in case it is. <laughs> but in some ways, I'd love to see it. In some ways, I just yeah. love to see it. It would make a great series. But it's just about this this little village, and there's the. It's hard to really explain what goes on, but there's there's this hole in the woods, and there's something in the hole, and it's sort of driving some of the villages a bit mad and this whole kind of cult builds up around it. And it's just, it's just really, I don't know, it's really good. It's really creepy. And definitely, definitely check it out. Yeah. Hungry moon, but it's, cool. it's, it's very, again, very British. Like it's very kind of, uh, you can't imagine it being like told anywhere else in a way. Like I, I sometimes find, I, I, I find that sometimes this is, we had all these great. You mentioned James Herbert. Mm. One of my favorite books of his was uh, Shrine, okay. and they 
made that into a film recently with um oh i can't remember the guy's name the negan from walking dead that uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. So oh, okay. they made it with him in, they called it something else, and it's in America, and it's got him and Carrie Elwes, uh, a few other people. And it's okay. Like, yeah. it's, and, and I'm not like a, a nationalist. I'm not like, oh, that you've lost the Britishness. <laughs> but <laughs> it's like, it is sort of a shame. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, that we sort of, um, there are these sort of great, uh, like, there's all this great source material for British yeah. horror. And, um, a lot of it just gets gets remade in America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they don't quite. They like that charm, and that there's something there is there is this something more gritty. I find with yeah, yeah, cool, brilliant. Listen, Chris, this has been amazing. I I I I feel like I could do this again, sort of down the road. I feel like I yeah, could cool. Really go down a few rabbit holes with yourself. Um, before I let you go, um, obviously we've talked about a lot of of your stuff that you've been involved in let everyone know where they can find you if you're on social media but also where they can find um find your films buy your book i would say paintball massacre is out there on amazon prime that's how i watch yeah. it um but yeah so yeah let everyone know where they can find you and your work yeah so i suppose uh, i'm cg underscore regan on twitter uh and i've got a website uh people in the dark.com uh that's got links to all my books um but if you go all the all the books on amazon astaroth is the most most recent and um i would definitely yeah if you're going to start with one start with that one <laughs> so, cool. yeah awesome brilliant yeah i'll definitely be checking that out myself you know my my to to be red pile is is slowly dwindling now right um i've been i've been getting back into reading so i'll um i'll definitely definitely check that out oh cool and, yeah uh, yeah at some point you know when 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 the show comes back i'll i'll happily do another one uh, yeah of these with you it's been great talking to you mate thank you so much for your time that's all right that was great i enjoyed yeah. it no cool cool so hopefully speak to you again soon but chris reagan yeah. thank you so much mate it's been awesome no, no problem cheers, cheers.